Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. You're listening to Flyperbole, a Flyers hockey podcast with Steve Jacob and Craig Forsythe, enthusiastic subscribers to Yanni Ninema's Book of the Month Club. Well, you know, I, I hate to start things off with a Another Eagles thing instead of a Flyers thing. But uh, well, it's under. I feel like so. it's very appropriate. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's very appropriate. So, uh, I had a coworkers over, and me and, and the lovely girlfriend hosted some coworkers, and uh, good time. Good times had by all. And you know, around third, I don't know, midway through the third quarter, we're kind of all looking around, going, "Holy crap." The Eagles are actually going to do this thing. They're actually going to go to the Super Bowl. And I mean, it's one thing to know, and it's another thing to know that early in the game. Like it's it's legitimately shocking. Oh yeah. And yeah. we were being rowdy as hell all night. I mean, it's South Philly, so it kind of goes with the territory. But uh, we had our door open, and we were playing the fight song really loud outside, and just like <laughs> running outside like maniacs screaming. Oh, it was great. So. Maybe five minutes left in the game. Eagles are running down the clock and we go look at each other. We're like, we got to go to Broad Street because I, I live pretty close. I live around 12th Street. So it's like, all right, we're going to Broad Street. <laughs> so uh, we all kind of assemble some backpacks full of uh, booze, for lack of a better term. <laughs> I was going to try. I was going to try and sneak around it, but I was like, no, 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 no. Wow. We, we loaded up with booze and headed to Broad Street as as is tradition. Yeah. in philadelphia so uh we head out there and of course there's already a nice size crowd and we just kind of go ham for the next <laughs> couple hours and uh, f tom brady chance breakout uh eagles chance left and right fight song people climbing up poles that had been greased by the philadelphia police yeah. and clearly that was not working that... they were climbing up very successfully yeah that i did that actually stop anybody i did not see any fail videos like i did not see anybody get halfway up oh no and everybody was happily helping yeah like, <laughs> yeah it became a it was like you know I, there are a couple two-handers on uh you know men on men's buttocks yeah helping them up you know it's teamwork you gotta do what you gotta do yeah i was just gonna say that's another thing that was just you know they said the eagles weren't gonna win with the without wentz they said they weren't gonna beat the falcons they said they weren't gonna beat the vikings they said they weren't gonna climb up the grease poles and look Eagles fans and the Eagles are overcoming everything. So, but prove them wrong at every chance we get. Yeah, that's yeah. what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But continue. So, so a couple, you know, uh, this continues on for a little bit and starts to wind down a little bit. Let's say this is around 11, 11, 15. All right. And I'm standing around with my buddies and kind of going like, wow, have you, this is just pure chaos. It's unbelievable. And it's awesome. When all of a sudden uh, I feel there's a loud sound immediately behind me uh -huh. and I, I feel a weird sensation on my leg. And I, I kind of go like, ah, like <laughs> I make a sound kind of like that. I, I jump up and I'm like, what the hell just happened? 
And I look down at my pants and it has this like weird white mark on it. And I look under my pants and oh, look, there's uh, a little bit of flesh missing. Oh, man. Firework hit me. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, firework hit me right in the leg. Uh, so that was not great. And th- th- these South Philly, like, these are the most mobbed up South Philly guys I've probably ever seen. Just chuckling over there. Like, hey, you screamed like a girl when that happened. <laughs> yeah, they were the rock. And like, we saw yeah. it. We, you actually, like, walked right on top of it. We saw it happening. I'm like, why didn't you say anything? <laughs> they just left. Um, I was so frustrated. I'm like, I'm going home to <laughs> clean my wound and put a bandage on it. Great. Great. Well, uh, the important part, Steve, though, is, uh, is go birds. And it's the important part is go birds. <laughs> yeah. And I only you had my flesh singed a little bit. Or, yeah. You uh, you know, just cut up a little bit. I, I didn't lose anything. Yeah. Your femur was not chipped. You're still able to walk. It's all, it, it does suck. That, that sounds pretty shitty, especially the uh, Tony and uh, Sal laughing at you afterwards. But, you know, <laughs> it's a uh... I can almost guarantee at least one of those guys was named either Tony or Sal. Yeah, I feel like that's yeah, it's not like the one out of three rule in South Philly. It's just one of them has the very like stereotypical. 100%. Yeah, so yeah, it's pretty simple. I got a story out of it, and apparently I can't wear my jeans to the airport anytime in the next couple weeks due to the, what? I guess, phosphorus on them. Oh, okay. Yeah, they think you're going to be, like, packing heat going to the... Uh... Well, I, I guess it, it would come up on one of the many, many airport tests. So, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> if, you're I, not, if I you... plan on just getting on a flight, like, if somebody just says, Hey, Steve, here's Super Bowl tickets. You're going to Minnesota for free. I'm going to buy some new jeans. <laughs> I was going to say... Or you just turn them down because you can't go because of your jeans. You just ref- I you know I can only own the one pair. So. <laughs> I'm not buying another pair of jeans. This is it. I can't go. That's I'm it. so sorry. That's it. Where my uh, I I guess I could wear some some work slacks slacks. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Trying yeah, yeah. trying to look classy at the airport like everybody else. You know. Yeah, that's that's for <laughs> suckers. I, oh, you know what the clear answer is: sweatpants. Yeah. Which is what the true apparel of the airport is. It's just the half-assing it, not caring to be there. So, or or as a true Eagles fan, Zubas. Also, also another solid choice. Yeah, you could do that. Can't go wrong with Zubas. I, no, but uh, that was a, a, a genuinely shocking moment for me. But at the same time, it was really nice to go ham on Broad Street. I mean, I felt bad for the cops who were just like, "Oh, what do we even do here?" And I didn't feel great for the Minnesota Vikings bus that went right by us and got pelted with beer cans. Yeah. Yeah. But like, oh, that was that, by the way, was a moment when the bus just turns on to Broad Street and we're all watching and we're like, oh, what's that? (laughs) It it is just like a pack of wolves when this bus turns on and and people, you can see them kind of loading up with their beer cans. There's nothing you can do. Except just watch an abject horror and go, oh, God. I don't understand. Okay, so was there not a better way to, I I don't know, couldn't they have avoided driving through, like, Broad Street or, like, some part of I'm the- sure they could have, and I, I really don't know if it was the bus driver being stupid, the cops being playful dicks about it, and saying, you know, it'd be really funny if we directed the Vikings bus right onto Broad Street in the middle of the celebration. <laughs> yeah, that was or, um, not the best idea. Or maybe the Eagles just uh, being a little mischievous, going like, oh, guys, we'll tell you the best way back to your hotel. Just go straight up, Broad. You'll be there in no time. 
<laughs> but regardless, when this comes on, and I, I, we're all pretty sure that was the Vikings bus, it's just like a moment where you're like, are they really doing this? Oh, they're really doing this. Yeah. Uh, oh, they did it, yeah. yeah. Pay the consequences, well, so. One of the crazy, you know, I'm not proud of it by any means, but it was something, it was a sight to behold. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm not proud of it, but I chucked I'm not my, proud of it, but I cracked the window. I, I was going to say, I chucked my old E-bottle and hit right directly into the side of the bus, so I'm pretty. Oh, we, we are talking, <laughs> we are talking full Bud Light cans being tossed right at it. Just dilly dilly all day. My uh, my butt heavy pounder hit directly on the side of the window. I just uh, I I think Sammy's. I actually did yell Sammy sleeves at one point though. <laughs> I was like, "Where's Sammy sleeves at?" I completely forgot he was on that team on Sunday. I wonder how he feels now, just watching. Fucking I think there's an, an alternate universe where the Eagles' misery does continue in that regard, where Case Keenum gets hurt early in the game and Bradford comes in. And oh, completely man. saves the day for Minnesota. Man, that would be fucking terrible. That would have been, yes, that would have been very typical Philly if that happened. But oh yeah, hundred um, percent. No, it's it's unbelievable. We're we're gonna see an Eagles Patriots Super Bowl again in about a week and a half, and uh, it's it's gonna be it could be more mayhem in South Philly. Oh, absolutely. I, I was gonna say real quick to maybe wrap this up. The uh, what was your favorite video? from the uh the anarchy my favorite was either the vikings fan trying to lecture the eagles fan who just screamed go birds in her face or it was the guy driving the oh my god like the off-road car up the uh the art museum steps. the art museum steps. yeah so i those were my two favorite uh i also in the running was the guy riding on the top of the car like it was a christmas sleigh and then they turned to the fat guy with the eagles mask so there were... I mean, for me, it's hard to pick a video since I, I was in the middle of it. it just the experience of uh, I, I will say I'm impressed by the, <laughs> the off-road vehicle going up the art museum <laughs> yeah, that's, steps. That's a lot of moxie. That's a lot of just not caring about what happens afterwards, which is great. Like it, it's also kind of a dick move, but there were a lot of dick moves going out there, such as, you know, uh, destroying a bus. But yeah, there, yeah, there's a, a ton of dick moves that night. So, yeah, but if they if the Eagles do do the thing, it's going to be uh, the whole city is going to burn down. So, but most likely. Yeah. So but, maybe maybe for my Super Bowl party or should I do we have to say the big game on this type of program? Oh, I that I, I mean. If they, I'm saying Super Bowl, I don't care. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, if we get sued, they got I don't know. We got dimes. Yeah, we got. Yeah, you can take all the money we got. You're not gonna be happy about it. So. No, no, but it's <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. But uh, we can we'll look a little bit more at this next week because you know we got a, we still got a week and a half until this comes in. But uh, yeah. it's gonna be a hell of a week and a half. It's we're all very hype. We're all very hype. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But. Let's talk about a, another team that might be deserving of a little hype in the Philadelphia area. And that for once is the Flyers. Yeah, this is ostensibly a uh, hockey podcast where we talk about the uh, the Philly Floors. And they have won eight of nine, Stephen, which is... That doesn't sound right, it's, to be completely yeah, honest. It's really Based on the games we've watched, it doesn't sound right. It's really fucking weird. Uh, and they are... They've won five or six since the bye week, and they are going into tonight's action. They were uh, third in the division 
which is crazy. If, theoretically, That's really crazy. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, if the playoffs started today, they would be on the road against the Devils, which, I mean, I'm, as, as I think is very clear in evidence on this podcast this year, I am all about if they play the Devils in the first round because... Considering the last two games they've played against the Devils, yeah, give me the Devils all day. Considering the last two games and also the fact that Corey Schneider apparently gets hurt every other game now. So it would be like he would go down and then they'd have to turn either Keith Kincaid or... Uh, Ken Appleby. So, Craig, uh, what yeah. have I been saying about the Devils all season? You you have said they're the strongest team in the league. They're very deep. Uh, you can expect them to repeat the success next year, right? Yeah, that's what I've been okay, saying. That's no, <laughs> no, no. And you know, okay. So FYI, again, we we realize we have a a number of new listeners coming in in the past week or two, thanks to. Uh, being on Broad Street Hockey now, which is awesome, I have to say. Yes. Welcome to everybody. But uh, if you don't feel like going back through the the many, many archive episodes, I cannot blame you. But for the record, <laughs> I have been calling for the downfall of the Devils since very early in the season. I've been saying this is going to happen. They are young. They are inexperienced. And they are allowing a ton of shots. And without Corey Snyder back there... <laughs> It's just not the same. So, yeah, burn, baby, burn. I have been... Uh, Devil's Inferno. <laughs> All right, 50. Uh, I've been in somewhat the same boat. Uh, I just don't know when they're going to topple down. I don't know if it's going to be one of those things where they kind of get lucky the whole year and then they fall flat on the face next year like the Ottawa Senators are now or if it's going to be a thing where... They are- we're living it, Craig. The Flyers have caught up to them. I, the say- I know they have a game in hand, but we're living it. Yeah, they are kind of they are kind of slipping right now. So uh, maybe maybe they do just miss the playoffs, which it's going to be one of those things where if they just miss the playoffs, that's kind of still a success for them, considering everybody had them as the eighth seed in the uh, the Metro going into the season. So it'll just be a painful way to get to being like the fifth best team in the division or sixth best. So. But, uh, For the record, I'm talking a lot of trash that could probably not happen. I mean, given that the difference between second in this division and last is six points, yeah, there's a lot that could change. Yeah, uh, and also, I'm the only thing too is that it's, it feels like the Blue Jackets are kind of slipping, which is good if you're trying to make it for the Flyers, but also it's annoying because if they fall out, that also helps the Rangers or Penguins possibly sneak back in. So Right, and obviously the most satisfying thing that could possibly happen out of all of this is the Flyers making the playoffs and the Peng- Penguins missing them entirely. Man, if the Flyers make the playoffs, the Penguins miss, and the Eagles uh, win the Super Bowl in like a three-month span, I think that's that's got to be like the height of, uh, like just the height of uh, Philly fandom right there, I feel like. That. Pretty much as good as it gets. Yeah, and a Sixers, I guess a Sixers playoff berth too would probably be pretty. Uh, oh yeah, I, I think a Sixers playoff berth, and not necessarily like. Look, obviously you want to lower your expectations for a team that is very, very much still in the process. But if they could go and have a really, really competitive first round against a good team, that would be round eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be. Oh, uh, well, okay, so. Let's Specifically, if they could maybe beat Boston, I would just love Ooh. to beat oh, yeah. Boston every chance we get this year. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be pretty big. Uh, yeah, well, don't the Cavs suck now too? 
that's how, that's the uh, that's how much of the NBA I keep up with is right now. I'm asking, aren't like the Cavs going through a lot of shit? Like, doesn't everybody hate Kevin Love right now because he like mailed it in a game? They had like a big team meeting. No, I don't know. I mean, they're in third place, so yeah, it's going to hell for them. So, um, like the Devils, <laughs> just like the Devils. Yeah. Listen, listen, listen. They <laughs> this division has caught up to them. Their time is done. Yeah, uh, I mean. I hope so. Uh, we'll see, though. Um, but, yeah, eight eight of nine. Uh, a bunch of overtime wins this week. Uh, mainly thanks to the play of one Travis Konechny, who has back-to-back game winners in overtime and also set up Katoria for the game winner uh, at the beginning of our, I guess, flat purple cycle. So, and didn't um, he score at the same time? in both of those games in overtime? Oh, I did not see that. Uh, maybe. That would be pretty... 27 seconds, I think it was. <laughs> oh, that's... that's... Uh, David Straley had uh, tweeted this out yesterday. Weird stat of the night. Both of Konechny's OT winners came at 27 seconds into the extra session, Sunday in Washington and tonight in Motown. So which one did you like more? The one against the Caps or the one against the Red Wings? Caps. Caps all day. Uh, the Red Wings one. I thought the was, Red Wings one was ridiculous. Just like it was the, ridiculous, but also the fact that it was that close to over to offsides. Well, I think that's why what made it incredible was he got back somehow, got back on sides without touching the puck, and then he came in and just fucking ripped in a laser. So yeah, that's true. It, I don't know, man. The, that that move he made in the Capitals game where he kind of deked two guys out of their shoes and yeah, fired uh-huh. home a killer shot. Oh yeah. And a game that was, and that game was very, very tight too. Like there was no, uh, the Cavs got a couple chances, uh, but it wasn't really, I mean, it was a two one game and that was probably the Flyers best chance of the game. And he, I, <laughs> it's funny to think that he was not, uh, used, uh, in overtime last year. So, but he's making up for it now. He's getting all the overtime goals he would have scored last year out, uh, I guess, this week. So, And all of a sudden, the Flyers have what we've been looking for for a couple of years, two useful groupings in overtime. Oh, yeah. Have the Drew yeah. Voracek Gostaspair, and now they have Couturier, Konechny, and Provorov. Yeah, that and that second one is pretty, pretty goddamn scary. So, um, what was I going to say? The... Right, so hold on, I'm like I'm like blanking right now. Um, well, I'll, I'll take the ball and run with this. So let's let's talk about the games, buddy. Let's talk about yeah. the games. So, you know, and and by the way, for the record, I still want to endorse my nickname for Travis Konechny, and that is Jerk Store, an allusion to the great Seinfeld episode where <laughs> George, of course, says uh, the Jerk Store called. They're all out of you, and then the other guy responds with, "Well, you're their all-time bestseller. Travis Konechny is the Jerk <laughs> Store's all-time bestseller." And I call him Jerk Store very lovingly because he is a, a complete jerk on the ice. He just messes with guys. He's he's not quite dirty, but he had he'll a, lay a couple of hits on there. Yeah, he had a perfect example of last night where in a shift he beat somebody uh, to a loose puck in a foot race. Uh, he got hit from behind, but he really oversold it. Uh, it was Dylan Larkin. <laughs> Pissed off Dylan Larkin, and then after he drew a penalty, was skating away and was talking shit. So it was very... 
that's pretty much Travis Konechny's game in a nutshell. So jerk store. Yeah, jerk, jerk store is very applicable. I like that name. <laughs> um, so we're talking games here. So the first one we got on the slate here was the three two one or three two one three two overtime three, two, win over one. three three two one go 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 <laughs> three two overtime win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, night of the Lindros ceremony. And uh, that was a great ceremony from the Flyers. Yeah. Top notch job. Lindros has adorable kids for the record. And uh, when his his son came out there just like waving at the crowd, like little royalty, it was uh, one of the (laughs) greatest things I've ever seen. Yeah. And also shout out to the the person who made the Lindros tribute video that obviously listens to fly probably and decide to slam home some kid rock into that montage. So. Yeah. I could not after. Oh my God. I, I watched it later after everybody else. I, I had it on DVR and I sat down and I watched it and I was like, are you shitting me? Yeah. Like I couldn't, is that it. kid rock? <laughs> after we dunked on him, And also evidently a lot of people in the league dunked on, uh, the NHL for uh, putting Kid Rock in the All Star Game uh, ceremony, but I just couldn't believe okay. that it actually happened. So, Craig, I'm going to throw a couple other late '90s, early 2000s rock artists out there at you, and I want to know if you would have preferred one of their popular songs over Kid Rock's "Ball with the Ball" for the right. draw ceremony. A corn. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I'll take corn. M- most likely would have been "Freak on a Leash," which also has uh, a weird. Uh, nonsense word stream in there. <laughs> yeah. That, the uh, the bop scatting. Yeah. Modern day scatting, I believe, would be. Boom, bop, doom, bop, diva. Yeah, okay. corn, corn over Kid Rock. Yeah. How about. Offspring over the Kid The. Oh, well, offspring all day, buddy. Yeah. Offspring all day. Come on. <laughs> it's not even a, it's not even a contest. <laughs> Come on. Come on. All right. All right. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Limp Biscuit. Oh man, uh, are you asking me in the year 2018 to choose between Fred Durst and Kid Rock? Because that's really yes, I am. Man, I want to say Fred Durst. I'm gonna go Limp Biscuit here. There's a couple good ones I could have put in there too, so I, I'm going Fred Biscuit or Fred Biscuit. <laughs> Fred Biscuit. I wish I wish that band was named Fred Biscuit. Oh, uh, it would be so much better. Limp Durst. I don't know. Limp, like, <laughs> Limp Durst. <laughs> I like Limp Durst a lot. That's I know. I was gonna say, it's I probably like also Limp Durst. It's probably also <laughs> accurate. Oh. <laughs> Ew. Um, Ew. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, there's not too many bands. I'm gonna put Kid Rock. All right. So I got one. I got one last one. Do you think this is gonna? Do you think this is gonna dethrone Kid Rock as a studious choice? I think it is. I think it is. Uh, go lay it on me. Nickelback. Oh no, Nickelback. I'll take Nickelback. Oh wow! Okay, so Kid Rock is the loser. Are you Nickelback would have been the best band that's it's ever too bad. It's too bad. Yeah. Nickelback performed at like one of the NHL award shows, didn't they? That was like I'm best. sure they did. They're Canadian. Yeah, that was the best band they've ever gotten for anything. Because not not three doors down. Or <laughs> three doors down. Fucking train. Train. Goo Goo Dolls. Um, can- I, I I still have to say that that train performance at that Flyers Penguins outdoor game might be one of the worst musical performances I've ever seen. Not good. And I'm not good. And if I was, I mean, I was also pretty drunk for that, so I don't exactly remember it, but it was, uh, as you had to be for a stadium series game. Yeah. Also, actually, that's not true. They had the roots before, and that's probably better than 
that, well, that's not probably that is the roots that. is the best one they've ever had yeah so um to be honest but uh what in the hell were we talking about oh the we were toronto talking game. about the lindros ceremony yeah, and so. the toronto toronto game so great ceremony good job guys except for the kid rock except for the kid rock part um michael norvis stood on his head had a bunch of dominant or pretty dominant performance bunch of big saves especially Did, late and didn't they all go to the right pad it felt like that i i remember the one i'm thinking of the uh the marlo two-on-one rush he made he stretched out made a right pad save with like five minutes left but that was a pretty big save um and there was a while there where the flyers were getting killed and uh he did give up two goals in like less than a minute in the second period, but he was able to just hold them the two goals and kind of keep the Flyers on the game, and they came back in the third. So it was a pretty big performance for Michael Norworth, who has only played one game in the last three years in Philadelphia. So a lot of people forget that, but he hasn't been uh, hasn't been too active. So uh, Also, we pretty much... We talked about Patrick Nolan. Yes, Patrick Nolan. For, uh, oh, Patty Knowles, yeah. yeah uh, talked about him for a while uh, the last episode, and then he came out and had... Probably his best play of the season with the uh, strip of Mitch Marner. Very, very reminiscent of Mike Richards in the Stanley Cup Finals. So, but that's kind of started the uh, the comeback, and it was it was a very heady play, and it was one of those plays that I don't think he would have been making early in the year. I, I really, he's kind of kicked it up into uh, the next gear these last couple of weeks. So, and I think that was on display there with that play. Just stick lifted uh, Marner and slid it between uh, Anderson's legs pretty quickly. So. Uh, I think that was his third goal of the year. But start- not to not to do this again. But I'm gonna do this again. He's 19, so yeah, it's almost like it's almost like it took him a little bit to get acclimated to the speed of a much faster game. Yeah, almost a little bit. But uh, it looks like he's uh, it looks like he's coming along now. So yeah, no, I, it's great to see. And that was a hell of a play. Yeah, from Patrick Nolan. Yeah, yeah, hell of a play from Patrick Nolan. So. Um, I did also want to point out that uh, since we apparently, <laughs> apparently that since we like to kind of not bask too much in the hate of Andrew McDonald this year, I'm going to try and bring it back a little bit every once in a while uh, during some of these games. And it'll start with a late NA 2-2 game with about three minutes left. Uh, Andrew McDonald started out a puck race for an icing call with about 15 feet on I think it was Marner and got beat out uh, and the Leafs cycled for about 20 seconds after that and almost scored. So Andrew McDonald getting blown out in a race for an icing call almost led to the Maple Leafs winning in regulation. But just let, just a reminder everybody that Andrew McDonald still is pretty bad at his job. So, you know, um, it, just in case you didn't look at the, the photo for this podcast, uh, for this podcast <laughs> Twitter account, that is a parody of the Martian that has Andrew McDonald's face and says, leave him there. You know, just in case yeah. you didn't get the fact that we don't particularly love Andrew McDonald on this program. Yeah. I mean, he, we might support him having a field trip to the moon and maybe living there. Cause I don't know. It'd be kind of cool. Listen, if he wants to set up the first civilization on Mars and make history, you, I'm you, fully supportive of that. Yeah. Th- no judgment. You gotta, you gotta be yourself. If you want to live miles away from me and never play for my hockey team again, by all means do what you have to do. Andrew McDonald. So, uh, but yeah, that was worth, that was worth mentioning. Um, we already talked about the Couturier game winner, but it was, uh, it's a pretty sweet fucking goal. We should also mention that, uh, Simmons and Phil connected on a shorthanded goal. And I think, 
Which that is, you, you want to talk a unicorn? That's a unicorn right there. Uh, what Felfelon Simmons? On uh, shorthanded. Yeah, I think I think that was Simmons' first-handed goal of the year. I think it's funny though because I remember his first shorthanded goal last year came against the uh, Maple Leafs too, and that pretty much started my whole bitching amount about how the top penalty kill unit should be uh, Simmons and Couturier. So, but uh, I think I think also Jim Jackson said this after the game that. Uh, the winner of the Maple Leafs was the first game all season where the Flyers won despite Drew Horacek not registering a point. So, and that is a great sign because yeah. that was the biggest problem early on. I mean, it's specifically looking at when the Flyers were shut out by the Wild twice, oh, yeah. the Kings, and wasn't there another one thrown in there? Predators, um, Predators, the Blackhawks did it too. Uh, right. uh, there was a good string of them. So. Very tough. That was the real concern early on. And then uh, it looks like it's like, yeah, it's nice to finally see some games like this where you may not get points from your biggest names, but you find a way to win. So that's uh, that's pretty much what the game was on Thursday against the Maple Leafs. Then on Saturday, uh, maybe not the best uh, quote unquote game, but they definitely came out pretty strong. One of the probably best starts in a while. And, uh, Scored three real quick goals on Keith Kincaid. Uh, and then he acted like he was injured. And then uh, Ken Appleby had to come in. And uh, actually did pretty damn well for, um, I, th- I think it was his first NHL game. So he did pretty good for uh, stepping in and keeping the Flyers uh, just at three goals. But eating good in the neighborhood. Eating good in the neighborhood. Also worth mentioning, Keith App- Ken Appleby was uh, Scott Lawn's teammate back with the Oshawa Generals back uh, a couple years ago. So, the- so why didn't Scott Lawton know how to score on him? Yeah, that is true. I saw all those moves back in practice. He should have figured it out by then. But had to have. Uh, you know, that's had- why he's not, num- not the number two center on this team. <laughs> yeah. Had the Pierre Maguire. Uh, yeah. Congrats to the guy in the comments. That's proof that he shouldn't be the number, uh, number two center. <laughs> this, this poor guy. This guy that I have no idea. I mean, I thank him for leaving a review. Yeah, thanks for listening to 57 seconds of our podcast. It was three stars, <laughs> you know, three stars, whatever. Um, but, uh, no, I thought I'd Pierre Maguire for a second. Uh, R.I.P. To, to Pierre. Uh, you know, pulling for you, big guy. We get well soon, but I had to bring up the junior information. R.I.P.D. Uh, R.I.P.D. Are you thinking of that? That Ryan Reynolds movie right I, now? Yeah, yeah, R.I.P.D. I mentioned it. I've mentioned it before on this podcast. Big fan. Yeah. Right? No, no, I just think it's funny saying RIPD instead of RIP. I don't know why. Because wasn't wasn't that a terrible movie? Wasn't that, like, not good? That's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. it was a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Universally reviled. <laughs> yeah, and it was like... Uh, it... I'm going to guess without looking that the Rotten Tomatoes was 18%. Yeah, like, it wasn't... I know it wasn't good, but I just remember that being a thing. I remember seeing the commercials for that, and I was just like, oh, that sounds like a bad movie. And I and I knew I wasn't going to see it, because I see, like, two movies a year, new movies a year. So I thought that was... Even just, I haven't seen that, and I see most of the new movies yeah, each year. So, <laughs> I just like slipping it in there. Um, yeah, while you look that up, I'll talk about the Cavs game, Cavs game real quick. Uh, considering it was a back-to-back, uh, and they were playing the team that was leading the division, and they had to go on the road... Uh, I thought it was a very, it was a pretty good win out of them against the Caps on Sunday uh, to just kind of stay in the game most of the game. Elliott came up big. Uh, he made two point blank saves. He made one on Ovechkin and Backstrom, but there wasn't too many rebound opportunities. The Flyers did a good job of uh, gathering the rebounds and also, for the most part, kept the Caps to the outside. 
It also helped that Kuznetsov shot a odd man rush chance right into Brian Elliott's leg when he was mostly out of the net. But uh, it was a pretty big performance from Elliott. Uh, get that secondary scoring again with Michael Raffle scoring in the second period. Um, and to finally be able to just get the game winner from connecting in overtime with the, the open space and the open ice. I do want to say Provorov, uh, I feel, you know, he's been pretty good all year long, but I felt like I noticed him a lot in that game because he just, there were several times in that game where he was down low and was just getting chances down low. And I think people wanted to harp on the Avechkin turnover, but I will take Provorov trying to make that play 10 times out of 10 because more times than not, he's not going to get stripped like that. And also, it's not going to be to a guy of Ovechkin's caliber. So, and he still got this. They still got back in time. I think that was a good Kuznetsov uh, chance. So, it really didn't matter that much. But uh, the mobility from Provorov was on display, and he also was still pretty sound defensively. So, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, did you find out the Rotten Tomatoes ranking for IPD yet? Thirteen. Thirteen. Holy. Not. Good. That was pretty bad. You said Ryan Reynolds was in that? Yes. And Jeff Bridges. Oh. Well, how did that go wrong? Who? <laughs> that sounds like a ton of pairing. So, um. Oh, also from the Caps game that we need to talk about. Uh, there are plays. Look, Yuri Laterra. He's a Philadelphia Flyer. There's you can't get around that. There's not going to be another signature play he has this year. I think besides. The drop pass to nobody he had against the Washington Capitals. Because, man, that was something. I just, he came into the zone. I think he was in the high slot. Just left the puck there. And you knew he left the puck there, and it wasn't a thing like he had it knocked away or anything. And looked back, and there was nobody around him. Just nobody within, I, I think, like 15 feet. So... I think that's the play that I'm always going to forever remember uh, Yori Laterra for. Much like I kind of, <laughs> much like I kind of link up RJ Umberger now with him scoring against the Sabres and then kind of acting like he had just won the lottery, like he kind of threw up his hands. Do you remember that? <laughs> so, no, not specifically, but oh yeah, okay. I mean, it sounds right. Yeah, because I mean, there's only his... so much to celebrate in that season. <laughs> yeah, he. Because it ended his uh, year-long goal drought where he actually did not score a goal in over a calendar year. So I remember that moment very specifically. But I just this was just a beautiful... This pretty much summed up Yuri Laterra's time so far with the Flyers. And hopefully it's the this is the only season of Yuri Laterra, but we will see. God, I mean... I uh, but there's there's so much season left of Yuri Laterra. And, yeah. You know, it's, it, it feels like years... By the way, uh, Michael Raffle got hurt last night. We, we unfortunately, were recording before the update by Hextall is given on Thursday morning. So there's a chance that Dale Weiss will be in the top six tomorrow night against the Lightning. Which is, I mean, you want to talk about hockey. Boy, oh boy. You want to talk about hockey I'm looking forward to. Give me, <laughs> give me that. Give me that dolly. You might as well not even play a goalie. Yeah, <laughs> just Dolly Weiss in the top six. I'm all about it, so. Dolly, Dolly. Dolly. Um. And then to round it off, the uh, 3-2 win over the Red Wings in Detroit. Uh, of course, Mac Daddy scored, because why not? Um, Brandon Manning, after the entire thing with Travis Sanheim. Uh, Which we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, pulled a Nick Schultz and was standing in front of the goalie by himself 
and kicked it, not kicked it, but like redirected it with escape by accident past uh, Brian Elliott. So there you go. It's very, very good timing. And, and this game was uh, a real shit sandwich. The, the Rumblings game, yeah, not, not, not too great. Not the maybe with maybe just like a, a a good portion, like the best portion of the sandwich was at the end, and well, it's kind of like a reverse sh- shit sandwich. Yeah, yeah, there which you is go. A, a great term to keep harping on. But <laughs> uh, the middle was very nice, but the the bread was very very bad. The first yeah. period and third period, oh my god, like, the third period. The Red Wings, Bertuzzi must have missed what, oh four God. open nets. Like... Bertuzzi, yeah. You know, I I thought Bertuzzi's were pretty good at, uh, you know, hitting the mark. Uh, hitting the mark on unsuspecting targets, like wide open net. But <laughs> there I thought... we go. There it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was pretty fucking bad. The first one he missed. It was literally just Brian Elliott sticking the way on a great cross ice pass from I forget who. Shot it. He Jeff carded it, and then the second one he had. He made a pretty good move down low, and he, he definitely had net to shoot at, and he just shot it like three free wide, and then he freaked out and broke his stick on the side of the net, which he should have because he, I mean, he blew the Red Wings a point in the stand. It doesn't matter. The Red Wings suck. They're not going anywhere. Oh, but yeah. Still, no, in fact, if anything, they should yeah, just the, tank the, to it, get a better pick. Yeah, definitely out the flyers, though, because that, that should have been a loss in regulation. So, And also, yeah, they kind of got pounded in the third period. Uh, Robert Hag took an extremely dumb penalty uh, that there was really – no excuse for. Um, also, Tyrell Goldborn got a shift with Drew and Katori with about six minutes left. I don't know what that was about. Oh, <laughs> boy, a, that's, that's what we call. Uh, I don't know what we call that. We call that I energizing guess, the bench. I guess, uh, that was, I guess so. Hextel, I guess so. Well, <laughs> wasn't there some talk of like Ronaldo joining the top line at some point? Ronaldo, Ronaldo. I think he, I thought he did for a couple games on the Brewery. He probably did. Yeah, probably that did. sounds like the Baroobster. Yeah. So, um, by the way, real quick, I was listening to Biscuits today, and they asked somebody asked them, "Which NHL player do you think would be most likely to eat a uh, Tide Pod?" Because that's become the new fad with the kids. Of now. course. Uh, I had three this morning. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, what? Who would Let's you sprinkle a little on? cinnamon on top? You know. <laughs> who would you? Which NHL player would you say? Zach Ronaldo. Yeah, I, th- I think Zach Ronaldo is the obvious choice. I don't even know if there's a second one because he is—he's the kind of guy that'd be like, "Fuck it, bro, I can do it," and then he would just start chewing on. This is gonna be cool. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I know, bro. I know. <laughs> oh my god, the fucking worst. <laughs> <laughs> that was the yeah. That was fucking terrible. Um, Wait, can, can, you know what? Can you retell that story real quick? We have a got, okay. whole new audience here. They need to know about I know, bro. Uh, so this was 20. I think it was after 2013, after the 2013 season. Uh, there was Zach Ronaldo was in Philly at some random bar just signing autographs. I walked up to him. I had a picture of when he knocked up BJ Crombie because I think they were selling it and I had it. And I was like, hey, Zach, uh, thanks for signing this. You're the man. And, like, not even looking away from the signature, looking up, he's just like, I know, bro. And I was just like, well, <laughs> that sums up Zach Ronaldo pretty well. So, and then he would, ju- it was one of those weird things, too, where, like, he was just at the, he was just at the bar for, like, an hour signing. So, like, we stayed in, like, shop pool, but he was just kind of, like, right there. And, like, you know. just sitting there going, like, yeah. I know, I bro. Know. Yeah, I'm pretty fucking sweet. 
and then you know he had like groupies come up and stuff. I think and it was it was a whole experience uh, that I uh, have judged Jack Bernardo on pretty heavily since. So <laughs> that's don't really. I mean, don't really care though, because Acronado is uh, kind of uh, not the brightest bulb. But you know, that's my Acronado story. And uh, Tide Pod. I hope you enjoyed. It. Yeah, he would definitely eat it. He's the NHL player most likely to eat a Tide Pod. I yeah, there, there's nobody even close at this yeah, point. Yeah, so I think Dave Loza said Dustin Brown, but Dustin Brown, I think, is just somebody we would expect. Like, I don't think he's dumb enough to just be like, let me put a Tide Pod in my face. Acronado's like. Somebody would dare him, and he's like, "I got it," and he would just do it. So, oh, no problem, no problem. Yeah, um, and that was—I mean—that's pretty much it for the Red Wings game. It was, uh, and they con- but they won it. They shouldn't have won it, but they won it. Yeah, they pulled Thanks. out mainly because Konechny toe danced or uh, danced around the uh, the blue line and was able to uh, stay onside somehow. I really did not get excited about that goal at first because I was just like, "Well, that's fucking offsides." <laughs> And then they showed a bunch of replays, and he was just barely on sides, which was very impressive. I thought that was just – I thought that may have been a little more impressive than the Cavs one. But the Cavs one, he did he did dance around a bunch of people. So, Also, uh, Travis Konechny is the first player – or second player in Flyers history, first since Sam McCaffrey in December of 2005 to score overtime winners on in back-to-back games for the Flyers. So Some good company. Yeah. Very good company. I think Kaepernick, Short company. Short company. Yeah, Kaepernick. <laughs> nice. Kaepernick also did it on the road against the Thrashers and the Hurricanes on December 28th, 29th. So. so one franchise that doesn't exist anymore and one that won't exist in 20 years. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, Tom uh, Tom Dundon, or whatever the fuck his name is, listens, all right? And he really doesn't like losing, okay? He's a... Uh, He's a guy that opens up the the building and he closes it. He's just there. So, uh, oh. A lot of owners yeah. love losing, so they they're very. He's open, ahead of the pack. I, yeah. You know what, man? I love losing. So he's a rebel. He's counterculture. Yeah, he he's got a real good chance of making it in this league because unlike most, yeah, he's gonna win some games just because he wants to, which is, I mean, good for him. You know, good for him. Um. All right. So now we got the games out of the way. I think we need to talk about. Well, it is the news of the week with the Flyers, I think. Somehow, even though they're winning a pretty good chunk of games, it's still not entirely enjoyable because of some questionable uh, front office and coaching decisions. So, talk about how Travis Sanheim got sent down to the AHL this year. and Or this week, not this year. Well, this year, but, you know, to keep it topical, I did it like this week, so... Um, and it inspired an insane quote from Ron Hextall, uh, which I will repeat right now. And it is, quote, obviously I don't like him sitting. The coaches don't like him sitting, and I'm sure he doesn't like sitting. So something will break here at some point, uh, which is, uh, it's a little baffling because I, it, it's a thing where it's definitely in the control of the coach to put him in and play him. So it's not a thing like it's just – I think he – the way he said that, it made it sound like he was just hoping somebody would get injured and then he would get back into the lineup. So, Right. I, I So I think this is one of those situations where Ron kind of has to juggle support for his coach in the middle of the season while also supporting the player. It's not yeah. pretty to see. It's but a, that's what Ron is doing, and 
unfortunately it does not make a ton of sense but really what's going on is you know he's not enjoying seeing him sit but hack really doesn't care but I, okay so maybe hack doesn't want him to sit but hack also doesn't want to play him it's a yeah. a weird thing to say i understand but that's my understanding of the statement uh he wants the young player to develop but i mean they called up mark alt in his place right right so now Mark Alt's just going to sit. Yeah, so Mark Alt is 100% just going to call up, getting called up to uh, sit in the press box and not do anything. So Obviously, he's not on the level of Sanheim hype-wise. Sanheim no. is a very hype prospect. He is supposed to be up there with uh, maybe not quite at Goss Despair level, but maybe just a, a tick below Goss Despair level on expected offensive production. And it, it's tough, especially when you're playing with the lower pairing guys, not getting that power play time. You can't really do what you are expected to do offensively as a defenseman, given the situations you're put in, in Sanheim's, uh, you know, yeah. with Sanheim this season. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, and I think that I agree with the, I think Hexall has got to let his coach make his own lineup decisions. I don't think he can really afford to, I guess, like micromanage him. But the thing is, is when it comes to Sandheim, it should be clear that he is better than Brandon Manning. And we're we're already we're already skipping over the foregone conclusion that he's better than McDonald because he he really is. And I don't know what it is with this coaching staff and Andrew McDonald, but he's just he's not going to come out of the lineup for anybody. Um, but it it's a thing where he has to. Bills talked about it. He talked about it last year, and I talked about it with. Van Nivelde and Belmar last year where Hexall has to make it so he doesn't give um, Hexall his decisions. He just can't give him more options to not play the guys you want him to play, which is why this summer it, we have to hope that Brandon Manning isn't resigned or then we see that the decisions that Hexall made really aren't wildly different than what Hexall wants to do with the team. And but I would say year, the one hope in that regard is the fact that Belmar, well, Belmar was re-signed and really just kind of lucked into having him gone. But at least Vandevelde wasn't brought back. Yeah, no, that is true. We're lucky that Belmar was gone. And then instead of going out and signing more gritty veterans, they used Lawton and Lear in that spot. But, uh, but yeah, let's just hope that Manning is not brought back and that leaves a spot, an opportunity for Sanheim. But there's just, it's, at the end of the day, I'm not too, too worried about if the biggest problem our front office has is they draft well, they have a lot of prospects to choose from, and some of those prospects aren't immediately used. The problem is the veterans that are in the way are terrible. Uh, it may close the window to compete a little bit if they keep pushing back the prospects and they kind of waste time with these shittier veterans. Right. I mean, I will say this much. I'm glad they at least pulled the trigger on this move. Yeah. And that he's not still sitting in the press box. He definitely needs playing time and he needs to be learning in some way. Yeah. And sitting in the press box at this stage of his career is not helping. So no. I'm no. glad Hexy at least made the decision to get him down there, get him out of that press box. It's not helping him in any way. Yeah. Now, I am what do you say? What do you say to the argument that, the Flyers have won a lot of games recently with the current defensive lineup. That's 
an argument that's being put out there by some fans. And, uh, you know, sure, the the proof is in the win column for yeah. this. But on the other hand, the other argument is these have not been pretty wins and the Flyers are pretty lucky to have won a lot of these games. Yeah, I mean, just looking at last night's game, like you said, they played one good period. We're lucky Tyler Pertuzzi decided to go Jeff Carter on a couple shots, and that's how we got the two points. But I think... Still taking those Carter shots. Nice. <laughs> I, You know, and I do... I want to touch on that real quick. I just think it's a funny joke. I don't know why. I really don't have anything against Jeff Carter. Oh, it is. It is. I, I agree. The, yeah, the high for a while, I got very defensive, actually. I was like, hey, he scored a lot of goals for this team. No, oh, whatever. Yeah. Just... Sea aisle. Drink. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's whatever. But I... I... I, I don't know if they're not exactly the best team overall. And I really am not worried about how well Brandon Manning or Andrew McDonald play because I'm not worried about them being here beyond this year. Andrew McDonald will be here beyond this year, but I'm not too worried about if he's going to look and play that well in the lineup, I guess. So I, I right. would rather... but if, if you're Dave Haxtell, your concern is, well, I'm concerned for my job and yeah. I'm concerned about winning I think, and this is winning me games. So yeah. I'm going to stick with this. And it, it might not be the best approach from a fan standpoint, especially when the team struggles, but you know, I'm just trying to understand. Oh yeah. No, reasoning I, is well, I think that's absolutely why they're still in. And I think he is, that's why Manning's in and that's why Goldborn are in. He's very, he likes to keep the lineup when the Flyers are winning and Goldborn, even though he's only played, I don't think he's played more than four minutes in a game in a while. Has he played a collective 15 minutes on the season? Yeah. So like, flyer? and he still is in the lineup just because the flyers are winning. So I think if they hit a three game skid, he's going back to the minors, but for right now, he's going to stay in the lineup, play those three and a half, four minutes, and they're going to try and piece together some wins. So, uh, but I mean, overall, I'd rather see, that's the thing is I, I don't know any way you cut it why Sandheim wouldn't be up here. If you're trying to play the best players to win, Sandheim should be in over Manning. If you're worried about the future and trying to develop the prospect, Sandheim should be in. I'm I think he should be in the AHL if he's just gonna sit in the press box, but it's I think the bigger concern right now is just there's they seen the value Hag, they seen the value McDonald, and they seen the value Manning. And last year, Gossespierre got in a lot of hot water for the way he played. Konechny did too, but he was a forward. And also this year, Travis Sanheim seems to be in a lot of uh, hot water for the way he plays. And I wanted to uh, parlay the quote that uh, Greg Wyshynski was able to pull out of Gossespierre on his podcast, ESPN on Ice, where he interviewed Shane Gossespierre this week. Uh, Shane talked about uh, people taking shots at the way he plays defense, I guess, or kind of critiquing him for being an offensive defenseman. Uh, and he had a pretty good response to it, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to repeat it right here. He said, um, "Quote: It's just a stereotype situation. Automatically, I'm put down because I'm offensive minded. It's obviously something that annoys you, but I'm playing defense the way I was taught and how I've learned over the year. Obviously, I'm doing better, and people are noticing it. I don't know if they've noticed. I don't know if they would notice it if I had 10 points. If I had not a lot of points, would would be like, oh, his defense is so good now." And you're just like, okay, cool. I take pride in my defensive game. I really worked on it over the year, and I can really see it in my game this year. So I think he's just talking about since last year when he was getting benched by Haxtell, kind of focusing on his defensive game overall. And I haven't really noticed – I feel like he's been the same defensively in my mind 
the entire time he's been with the Flyers. But I, I, I guess he's really stepped it up a ton. Um, since he got benched last year, I know he had a rough patch earlier in the year, but overall defensively, I feel like he's still doing. I feel like he's still playing effective defense the way he did last year, where he's just a lot of great stick work and anticipation and not really too much physicality. So um, I, I think last year, I think it's really just that the Flyers front office doesn't look too much into the advanced metrics of things. So like the last year, Shane Gosper's thing was, I think he had like a 33 goals for percentage. So whenever he was on the ice, it did not matter what happened. The, the Flyers were just getting scored on. And those came in games where Shane Gosper looked pretty good. And then Steve Mason would let in a pretty soft goal. And that's what was being judged at the end of the day. And meanwhile, this year, I think Travis Anheim has the worst PDO on, maybe like one of the worst PDOs in the league. And that's kind of what I think the coaching staff is looking at. It just seems to be is always on the ice when the Flyers get scored on. So uh, it it's not the best way to measure a defenseman. Uh, just results over process. And I think that's what the problem is right now. Luckily, Shane Gossifer kind of over- overcame that. I don't. There's I don't. clearly something the coaching staff is seeing in that boring regular game that oh, Brandon they, Manning plays, yeah. as opposed to, and they seem to prefer that for most of their defensemen. Gostaspare overcomes it by being just the best. That's being uh, a and and that's offensive thing. force. Yeah, that's the thing I'm worried about is Shane Gaster is able to overcome it, but he's one of the more offensively gifted defensemen in the league. I don't know. I think Sanheim will overcome it, but that doesn't mean every defenseman that comes up that way is going to overcome it, and we can't bank on that. Every... Like, I don't believe the benchings uh, and the demotions worked on Shane Gossifer and Travis Konechny. I think they just I think they just would have been this good last year if they are given the opportunity and the pressure was relieved. But, like, I don't think they learned anything from those benchings last year. I think it was just they're skilled enough to overcome it. But you don't know if that's going to happen with Sandheim. You don't know if that's, if that's going to happen with Philip Myers. You know if that's going to happen with Marin. So it's it, it's it worked with one guy, and it's kind of not the best process. Uh, I don't know if it's going to work with every prospect they have, which is a concern. But again, if the biggest concern is just not every prospect is going to be handled correctly out of the tons of defensive prospects they have, if that's the worst flaw this franchise has gone forward for a couple of years, I think I'm willing to take that trade off. Then most, what most franchises are dealing with. So, but that's uh, that's that. Stefan, do you have anything else to um, do you have anything else to add on the Travis Sanheim saga? I mean, not particularly. It's one of those things where I do wish he was playing at the NHL level. I did too. Yeah, I'm just, I, I'm. I'm glad they made a decision. It's not the perfect decision, but I'd prefer him to be starting and playing than to gathering be gathering dust. Yeah. Although I, I would say I'd prefer uh, Mark Alt over Brandon Manning or Andrew McDonald. But yeah. for some reason, it, I mean, ultimately it just comes down to the fact that Hack is seeing something in these guys that we don't see. And this is one of those mysterious locker room or very, very close on ice things that we have no idea about, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but there, there's something that they see that they yeah. will not tell us, especially hack. Won't tell us hacks. Just like, it's my decision. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I do. I do wish I do kind of prefer Mark Alt over Brandon Manning though, because, uh, Haxel does realize that he is Mark Alt. Like he, he will only, he will limit, 
uh, the opportunities Mark Alt has to hurt the team when he's out there on the ice. Well, with Brandon Manning, he just throws out Brandon Manning in every situation because he feels like he can thrive. So that's, I think that's why I would choose Mark Alt over Brandon Manning. So sure, sure, but I don't know. Again, yeah. for some reason they just feel Brandon yeah. Manning. I, is a, a solid defensive player. Yeah. And I really, I mean, I really do want Travis Young to play and I wish he was up, but I kind of like, this is a lot. It feels a lot like the limber or not limber, um, Limblom stuff from earlier this year. It's just that Sanheim was also playing in a bunch of games. Well, that's and, a great transition point because. Oh yeah. <laughs> Limblom has uh, made the AHL all-star game. He has. Um, Thanks to Danik Martell being injured from a broken jaw, I believe the reason why he got in. I don't think he initially made it, but Martell is injured, so now Limblom is going. Second on the Phantoms, 28 points, uh, 12 being goals, 16 being assists, uh, 93 shots in 42 games. Thanks to uh, Brad Kiefer's fancy stats, he is also a 0.18 Corsi 4 percentage uh, relative. He's plus 10 penalty differential. And his 88 individual shot attempts at 5-5 are seventh on the Flyers. So he seems to be doing pretty well in his first season in the AHL. Um, And hopefully, I mean, I wonder if his chance is going to be coming up here. I wonder if he gets the Danik Martell call. Like, he uh, Flyers used Martell earlier in the year when they kind of hit that skid. That would mean the Flyers have to start losing again which I don't know would be the, uh, I think I'd, at this point, them, I'd, so. as much as I'd like another great draft pick, I, I think just to kind of quell the insane masses, uh, I I'd love for them to just make the playoffs. Also, yeah. I miss playoff hockey. Yeah. I miss playoff that. hockey too. I, and I also anytime, I mean, if we're talking about missing and making the playoffs and your argument is to miss the playoffs to get a better draft pick. Everything at the end of the day is to try and win the Stanley Cup. So even if they make it as low as possible and they really don't have a stand a chance of making it, there's still the chance they can go and go all the way and make it. Just looking at the 2010 Flyers. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if Limbaugh gets up at all this year. I think he's going to be next year. If he's not you up next what? year, if he's not up next year, I really, I think a lot of this stuff with the patience and the letting the prospects kind of like simmer down in the uh, AHL. I think a lot of it will come to a head next year. If guys like Limblom are still down there and Sienheim are still down there and maybe sure. been I, Marin maybe, but I, yeah. Yeah. I, I it's, it's a tough juggling act. I mean, the thing with Limblom is I'm going to say just like with, so Limblom, just like with Sanheim, I'm glad he's getting playing time. I'm glad he's getting chances to learn the game at a, a little bit of a higher level. Yeah. And um, so here's here's the big argument I have to make, and I don't necessarily want to be arguing for Hack because I, I realize he do he does have a lot of issues going on. Yeah. But uh, I gotta say it, it's tough for any NHL coach to play too many young guys, especially. Uh, when that coach feels that these young guys just aren't quite at the level they need them to be. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure to win games, especially in a market like Philadelphia. And I'm not saying the vets he's throwing out there. Obviously, Limblom's better than uh, Laterra and Weiss, but I don't know. Every NHL coach does what Dave Haxtall's doing here. And 
I feel like Ron Hextall is trying to best juggle what's going on. Like um, when the Flyers lost to the Maple Leafs the other day, I looked at some of the comments on the Maple Leafs articles on The Athletic and the Maple Leafs fans are like, I don't know what the hell Babcock's thinking. No, Babcock's insane. And Bob and Babcock's one of the most well-regarded coaches in the NHL. Yeah, I, I really think it's just every coach is going to have these things that just irritates the shit out of you. And, and, and well, Flyers, that's, Hextall has a I, bunch of them that you can point out. But like, right, but I feel like we've seen this so many times before, and because of the magnifying glass given with uh, all the articles you can read nowadays, all the social media stuff, and the increased coverage you can see of guys in the minors, it's it just makes it that much more just that much more pressure that is true yeah it's it's a tough situation man i and obviously i want to see the young guys play but i'm trying to play a little devil's advocate here and i feel like every nhl coach does this uh if you look at the kings a few years ago uh an organization ron hextall came from and his uh dean lombardi's still assisting him right yeah yeah so his assistant dean lombardi um i mean i'm sure you saw uh who was coaching the Kings? Uh, Sutter. Good old sourpuss face. Yeah, yeah. Sutter. <laughs> I mean, Sutter's not playing. Yeah, come on. It looks like he ate a, a warhead at all yeah. times. But, uh, I mean, Sutter's not playing those young kids every night like he should be sometimes. Uh, no, Ken Hitchcock not. is infamous for yeah. that. Ken. Because Ken Hitchcock is pretty much the number one reason Patrick Sharp got traded away instead yeah, of becoming for, a great flyer. Yeah, for nothing. And, and Babcock does the same thing. And I, I really think it's not even just – it's not even really the um, – it's not really just the developing of rookies either, or playing rookies. I think there are flaws. Like Laviolette was a coach that I love Laviolette, but you can really complain about his uh, kind of juggling goalies act in the 2011 postseason and also game one. I feel like that was a contributing factor to the trading of Bobrovsky. There's, the wasting of Bobrovsky. There, I mean, a lot of things went in. A lot of things happened after that juggling act. And also he's uh, made the uh, 2010 Cup Final. Game one was kind of the same thing too. He pulled a... Uh, he pulled Leighton pretty early and put Boucher in. So it was – I feel like there's a lot of things you can bitch about any coach. That's not defending Hackstall. I think Hackstall is still making a lot of dumb decisions. I just think – I think it's because we deal with Hackstall on a daily basis. Right. And we see every single decision he makes, and we have the time to, like, focus on it and break it down. And there are really a lot – like, just we, – we will never be able to analyze his love for Brandon Manning because there's really no, no reason for it. Right. But, but and if you look at – Laviolette had guys like that. Laviolette was playing Ronaldo. Uh, Craig well, Ruby was playing Ronaldo. The yeah. last like three Flyers coaches yeah. have all had these issues. And I, I guess my question ultimately is, which coach isn't going to do this? Can you hire a new school coach that's not like? If, yeah. And you would actually think that Hack might be one of those because he's a young guy, coaching wise, who. Uh, came from the collegiate level, so yeah, you think doesn't you would, do it. Yeah, you think he'd be better at uh, handling the younger players, but apparently he is. Well, I mean, he's just not. So, uh, is Knobloch your guy for that? Is there I, some coach? I I would love to know I would if there is an NHL coach out there who is taking more chances with young guys like this, yeah. like everybody wants to see. It's a really tough situation when you're trying to support your coach and you're trying to get these young players playing time to develop and your coach, for some reason, again, I don't know what it is. I don't like Brandon Manning, yeah. but 
I'm acknowledging that the coaching staff sees something in Brandon Manning and Andrew McDonald that makes them defensively sound in a way that Travis Sanheim isn't. I don't know what it is, but there's something. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I really wish there was just a way to kind of pinpoint what it was. Cause there's really nothing in the numbers bears it out. The eye test really doesn't help Brandon Manning either. Like Manning is having a, He's having a better season this year than he did last year or two years ago, but it's still not, still like, not does incredible. It, does it just come down to the fact that he's he's bigger than Sanheim? Like, I I don't I really don't know what it is. That honestly seems like the only explanation. I, I think it comes down to they they just kind of buy into the stereotype that Gossipier was talking about, where I think they're just really dead set on Brandon Manning supposed to be a defensive defenseman. So we have to use that regardless of how effective he is defensively. That's his title. And Travis and I, doesn't matter how much him and good is possessed the puck this year and kind of kept it away from the other team. He's an offensive defenseman and we don't really want a young version of that in the lineup. I think that's really what it comes down to. And it It doesn't help simple. Yeah. Very well. doesn't help when the, um, the goal percentages in, indicate that Manny's doing better, but when you look at the underlying process, that Sanheim has been playing better. And when you speak of coaches, I do want to bring this up a little bit tonight because last year when I, I talked about maybe one of the only coaches I would hire uh, last season and then actually he became available for a segment of time was Claude Julian. And this year, apparently, it's rumored that one Pretty good coach is going to be let go, or could be let go, at the end of the season. And I wanted to state uh, on record that I would absolutely fire Hackstall and hire this guy, Mike Keenan. <laughs> Not Mike Keenan this time. Uh, Joel Quinville apparently is on the hot seat in Chicago, and huh. and he is somebody once again amazing coach, won a bunch of cups. I have seen Chicago people complain about his. Uh, uh, putting his lines in a blender kind of during the process of a game rather than kind of letting guys settle in and get used to the rhythm and flow with their line mates during a game. He kind of, the Blackhawks are trying to buy a goal or two, he'll just kind of throw it all in a blender. And you won't, you know, you don't know what's coming out there. But I, which I, I guess is good and bad, but it seems like sometimes Blackhawks fans aren't the biggest fans of it. Um, but I would absolutely take Joel Quinville in a second, uh, especially. I mean, just because of his track record, and if we're getting tired of Hackstall, I, I think the thing is, is I'm I'm ready to move on from Hackstall. I'm not anywhere near ready to move on from Hextall. Uh I think a big problem though is Hextall has a lot invested in Hackstall. So right, I, I guess my my question is just at the end of the day, what's the biggest factor in moving on from Hackstall versus taking on a new coach? What's what what's the biggest thing a new coach could do for this team that Hackstall's not? And uh, putting aside the stuff that I was mentioning, like basically you you want to say that every coach is gonna make some sort of dumb decision in regards to starting a Latera or a Weiss over a Limblom, starting a defensive defenseman well, like a a Hag and a Manning and a McDonald over a Sanheim. W- what other kind of things? I, I don't want that to be the factor in saying get rid of Hackstall. There's yeah. got to be something else, a better reason to move on to another guy because uh, I really think almost every NHL coach makes decisions like that. 
So what is it about Hack's system? We're looking at his system and the decisions he makes in regards to how this team plays. Like, what is it about that that you want to move on? And what would you be looking for in a new coach in that regard? Uh, so for me, they've seemed to stray away from this for a good chunk of this year, although it seemed it seemed to be creeping back a little bit in the last couple of games. The uh, generating all the offense from the point. So just handing the puck back, going uh, low to high for chances. So just giving the puck to the defenseman, letting them shoot from the point, and trying to get either screens, redirections, or rebounds put in. I would like to change that because I think the Flyers did it the second most last year behind the Sharks with Brent Burns. So that's kind of understandable why they did it. Um, besides that, uh, pretty much, I, I mean... That's really the main systematic thing that I would like to change off the top of my head. And then just the personnel and the power play, but that's, again, a personnel thing. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, what what is your – do you have anything with the system or the scheme? I'll be honest. I mean, that's the main thing I take away there. Uh, yeah. It kind of seems very middle of the road, a lot of the choices. Uh, I would – the main thing I'd love to see is maybe somebody who can keep – I don't want another maniac coach. You know, we were joking around about yeah. the high-intensity guys last week, uh, yeah. the Mike Keenan jokes and all that. But I, I kind of – I don't know. I would love a middle-of-the-road guy. I find those high-intensity coaches burn out very easily. And uh, I, I don't know, man. I just don't want – I want somebody who wants who can teach the team – to play as close to a full 60 minutes as possible and keep the friggin' pressure on when they're up already. You know, there's yeah. the one thing I really, really hate is when a team is up and they just fall back into a yeah. shell around. The well, they, that is the dumbest thing you can possibly do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they did it last night. So, and I don't know if that's, and I honestly don't know if that's necessarily just a hack thing either. That's a, I feel like that's right. That also might be an NHL standard. Yeah. So, and of course, you know, we say that and we want guys to kind of break that trend to break that mold. It's just, Oh, I would love that's see. I think that's my biggest disappointment with hack at the end of the day is that he he, isn't different enough. He's not breaking the mold. He's being very traditional. Yeah. And I want a guy who's going to try some new stuff. The NHL needs new coaching blood. They need new coaching ideas. Yeah. And when Hackstall came in, he kind of was, you know, they kind of talked him up a little bit as being a guy who's going to bring new things to the table and was going to be able to handle the kids. And it looks like he's not really going to be able to do that. And a lot of people talked about Knobloch and the great ideas he had on the power play and how it could be a replacement for Hackstall. I have a feeling that they're going to bring him in. They could bring him in after Hackstall, theoretically. And I, I think we would just find out he has a lot of the same theories as Hackstall. And he will. Well, one of the things I've always wondered with Hackstall in regards to his reliance on vets is I wonder how much of that comes from his experience as a college coach, because in the, at the collegiate level, you tend to rely on your older kids. Your yeah. Seniors. I think that's definitely a problem because it, he might have the same philosophy and the same approach to using the older guys, but it's the, like when you when you coach at North Dakota State or North Dakota, you're going to have a lot better skilled players compared to a lot of schools you're going to play. And across the NHL, the variance in skill level isn't that big. It's like when you, it's like any when you look at any sport going from high school to college to the pros, the 
the difference in skill at the pros is vastly smaller than the difference in skill level at the high school level. Like you'll see like high school level and whether it be football, basketball, hockey, whatever, there's just ridiculous plays and ridiculous numbers going on because some of the high school kids that are playing just shouldn't be playing like organized sports or they just don't have anywhere near the same amount of training or coaching or right. Whatever. But I, I find the kids who thrive with the coach in those scenarios are the kids who kind of just like uh, they work hard uh, right. And- very respectful, you know, and we've joked about this in the past with guys like Vandevelde, but I really do think this is why these guys tend to play more often than they should, because they're the guys the coach kind of like likes having yeah. around because they're good, respectful guys in the locker room off the ice and they listen to them on the ice. They listen yeah. to instruction. And sometimes the coach just like, can somebody follow a damn instruction around here? And that's Brandon Manning. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, and Belmar and Vandevelli too fell into the, uh, the, the role of uh, they were regarded as two of like the better defensive forwards in the league, even though none of the numbers bear that out and nothing indicated that, uh, but that was their role and title. And Paxlow just kind of relied on that. It, it seems like he is just very, he relies heavily on roles and titles rather than what the player actually does out on the ice sometimes. So that's, uh, I guess that's, that's my thoughts on Hackstall. So that went off. I, I, I have completely exhausted Craig with, <laughs> that, uh, with hardcore hack talk. That was, I was, that was a ton of Hackstall talk. I wasn't even expecting that much to go on when we started talking about Sandheim, honestly. I thought it was going to be. Neither was I. Neither yeah, was but, I. but. Here we are, some actual good conversation about the sport well, of hockey, but I, I'm just glad we we talked about it beyond just you know uh, the base moves there. Yeah, because I feel like that a lot of that gets lost in the shuffle. And as I was saying, I, I feel like a lot of these coaches make very similar decisions. So when you're moving on to a new coach, I, I just want to look at it beyond just those kind of decisions because I feel like anybody's going to do that. And my thing is, I just, I want an innovator. I want somebody new and different. Right. No, I agree. And it's, you don't know if you're going to get that until they're actually put in the position. So. Right, right. You can talk a big game in an interview and uh, completely flub it afterwards. Yeah. Which is what could be what now Buck is. Don't know yet. You could find out, but he could end up being. For sure. For sure. So, but yeah, Oscar Lindblom is an AHL all-star. He's filling in. (laughs) I think that's how we got started down this road. That is how we got started down this road. But, uh, Craig, so would you rather keep talking uh, Flyers news here? Or do you want to play a game? I want to, real quick, uh, let's – I'm going to say the thing on Wade Allison and uh, Morgan Frost real quick, and then we'll play the game because then we just have around the league thoughts, I think. Um, is that all right? Are you cool with that? No. You down no. the clown? All right. So Wade Allison, um, he is out for the season now with a lower body injury. Ugh. I could not find out what the exact injury was, but he left a few minutes into hockey. Into a few, a few minutes. It's a concussion. A it's a it's a butt concussion. <laughs> a butt classic case of the butt concussion. So, um, left a few minutes into a game against Satan Cloud on January thirteenth. He had fifteen goals and fifteen assists for thirty points in twenty two games. Looking at his numbers, he's got a really high shooting percentage, uh, which is a little concerning, but he's posted a couple of high shooting percentage seasons, so maybe he's just one of those types of players. 
Like last this year, he had 15 goals and 54 shots for a 27.8 shooting percentage, and last year he had 12 goals on 97 shots for a, well, that was a 12.4 shooting percentage, so it went back down to normal. But this year, almost shooting 30 percent. I don't think he's I don't think he's that skilled of a player. I love him, but I no, I don't know who the hell is shooting 27 percent, and that's expected year in and year out. So. Uh, and then Jordan Cairo is now first in the OHL in scoring. He has 73 points in 35 games. He is a uh, St. Louis Blues prospect playing for the Sarnia Sting. And Frost is second with 72 points in 44 games. He has 27 goals and 45 assists. Third is Aaron Luchik, uh, who is an undrafted forward who signed an ELC with the Senators in late December, and he has 70 points in 45 games. All right, That's let's not pronounced Luchich, right? No, it's a Luchuk. It's a L U C H U K. So Luchich. But but let's play this. Uh, let's play this game because it's a different. It's a it's a little different. A little different the old switcheroo with yeah. the game this week. So uh, again, new listeners. Uh, Craig and I usually play some sort of game late in the show, and Craig usually asks me questions. But this week we decided to switch it up a little bit, and I will be the question asker. And uh, Craig has no idea what the game will be. No I clue what do it not. is. Yeah, I don't even know what if it's hockey related or not. You gave me no. It, it is so. hockey related. It is okay. very much hockey related. And uh, to give a little background, I actually wrote most of this game back in January 2015. Oh God! So <laughs> I pulled one from the archives, and uh, I'm not kidding you when I say the original headline on this is "Fly Purple Cast Episode 6 Game Show." <laughs> All right. So what? yeah, this one is uh, long in the making, but uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a few excerpts. They uh, are either excerpts from articles or tweets, and you have to guess. If it is Sammy, Timmy, or Randy. Oh. That's right. Oh. Is it Sam Carcitti, Tim Panaccio, or Randy J. Miller? Oh, that's a good this is this is a good one. And it sucks because I man, I'm gonna be rusty on the Randy J once, but he was he was my jam back in the day. God, I hated that guy. I think a lot of people <laughs> hated that guy. So but all right. Yeah, all right, lay it on me. All right. For our first one. For the record, I hate writing about the media, but when a player makes accusations that Philly media members make things up, it strikes a nerve. That's that's got to be Randy J. Yeah. Oh, you are wrong. You Ooh. are wrong. That's that's slamming Sammy Carcitti, buddy. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. All right. Yep. All right. Yeah. So how many how many of these do we have? Uh, let's say how many you want to answer? <laughs> <laughs> I want to answer until I got over 50, over 50%, I should say. So, uh, okay. Okay. We'll do We'll do a few. We'll do okay, a few. Yeah. We'll play it by ear. Okay. Uh, how about over one, over one. All right. Flyers GM Ron Hextall says he has no plans to fire coach or tank to get a high draft pick. Wait, wait, no, no, that's not a good one. That's not a good one. We're crossing that one out. Okay. Old McDonald just took two shots and missed the net. E-I-E-I-O. Oh, that's got to be Panaccio. Oh, you are 0 for 2. That is Randy J. Miller. Oh, God, is it? Okay, so. That is Randy J. Miller. I'm going to say, I think Randy J. Miller is going to be hard for me because he blocked me a while ago. He blocked everybody. (laughs) So, like, I just, 
I'm not going to remember some of his more famous ones, but yeah, that's okay. I, I, I go into these games blind usually, so. Yeah, this is this is rough. Yeah. Well, I, you know, no, I, I, know I apologize. You, no, I know but how you, you feel. This is, this is, this is tough. <laughs> it's revenge right here. <laughs> okay, number three. No, the Flyers aren't trying to make a deal with Anaheim Ducks for Briz, even though they are still paying him $1.6 million per year through 2027. Um, I want to say Carchiti. You do have one. Okay, good. You're right. one for three now. One for three. That that was very much feeling in the realm of a uh, former flyer update. So that felt like yes. Carchiti one. So <laughs> yeah, that's Carchiti's forte. So yeah. Yes. Yes. So uh, all right. One for three. One for Bo- three. Not above, bad. Not above bad. the Mendoza line. I'm feeling it. Doing all right. Okay, let's see. What do we got here? What do we got here? So, all right. I'm just trying to figure out where to start with this excerpt because. Uh, oh God. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just gonna read. Uh, I'm just gonna give, keep reading because give this me the is whole thing here. Give me the whole goddamn thing, Steve. For whatever reason, Drew just doesn't seem comfortable answering tough questions during tough times. Drew's take usually is, "We did a lot of good Randy things." Randy Miller. Yes. Okay. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Did you did you remember a greatest hits there? Uh, well, I was gonna say this is absolutely eviscerating Claude Drew. It's got to be Randy J. Miller. So, well, my my favorite part of this one is the end excerpt, which is not aged well. Simmons or Strite seemingly would be the obvious choice, <laughs> although Mason might be the best leader on the team. <laughs> <laughs> and while goalies are never captains, Roberto Luongo captained the Vancouver Canucks in 0809 and 910. He was fucking paid to cover this team, like for many years. (laughs) Like not like this wasn't like a three day thing, and then they were like, "All right, this is a wow." They were like, "You know what? You're good at this. You should keep doing this." Like I can't. All right, two for four. Two for four. Two for four. Let's do. uh, What what do you say? Two more? Three more? Let's do three more. We usually do six or seven. Let's do three more. Okay, so two for four. No pro. No pronger in the Flyers' room is like taking King Kong off Skull Island. Just not the same for the natives who live there. Timmy P? Timmy P! Timmy, Timmy P. P. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Three for five. I'm surprised there wasn't a pronger player. And then just that. Usually, <laughs> it usually differentiates, yeah. All right. Three for five. I'm rolling. I need to get one more and I win. But, you know. Giroux supposedly out tonight at New York Rangers, but his gear just arrived as it was an elevator with me. Randy J. Miller. Yes, that you're, you're is, winning now. You're on. You're on the the right track, buddy. That uh, that of course leads up to the infamous uh, Giroux and a cash out, I believe. Yes. Dude, yes. So that is why I remember that. I was going to mention that actually after the last Randy J. Miller one, but I'm happy that this one came along. So, alrighty. Uh, what I'm looking for five for seven here with this one. Sure, I lost okay. count. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, light on me. All right, so let's see. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Okay. Hmm. Trying to decide. This is a tough one here. Only get, we're getting down my list here, and uh, these might be too obvious, but I do like reading them nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, they are. Wait, you might I was just read them like after I answer them. You could just read them now for the rest. I could. Uh, yeah, I'll just read them now. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'll just read them and you tell me who it is. No, my Burger King of 25 years closed. My Burger King of 25 years closed. I got U.S. Air Miles there. 
No Dr. Pepper. I'm frazzled. That's Finaccio. That's Finaccio. That's Finaccio for sure. <laughs> Again, I think a national TV audience saw Crosby pass baton to Giroux as NHL's best oh, player. Oh, Carcini. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's a Carcini all timer, yeah. I was the Inquirer's mystery muncher back in 89, 90, 91. Carcini? <laughs> Tim Finaccio. Finaccio, okay. <laughs> I feel like it should be rule of thumb. Anything involving food is there's Tim Panaccio. So that, that is eating, eating a bit of chunky, uh, feeling nervous. Somebody call a doctor. The flyers look sick. Oh, fucking. Oh, my God. Everybody's dad. Is that who tweeted that out? <laughs> I don't. AKA, but... AKA Randy Chamber. Okay. All right. Yeah. Holy shit. What a bad tweet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Besides leading the NHL scoring, Voracek is tied for seventh in the league and plus minus at plus 15. Oh. That shows he's no one trick check pony. Oh, please tell me that's Carcini. No, that's Randy. Oh, that's it is. Randy. Oh, God. I was going to say, Carcini usually goes half chub with plus minus, too. I thought that was going to be another. Like, former flyer or plus minus is usually Carcini. So, oh, man. That's upsetting. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one last one, and this is obvious, but. Always a good one. We need to settle this lockout. I'm home too much, which means too many fights with crazy TB. Bitch. Yeah, all right. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just glad this has been one that I, again, mentioned as far back as like 2015, 2014. So this is uh, an old game that we finally got to play. The, yeah, the Sammy, good. Timmy, or that was, Randy game. That was a good one. I enjoyed that, mainly because I won it, but also because it's it's nice walking down memory lane and remembering some of the best tweets that are available for our consumption. So And Sam's the, the last man standing of that bunch. That he is. What? In the world is Randy J. Miller doing now? Is he uh, Miller time, buddy? He's just getting hammered every day. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. No, didn't he have a? Remember one of the times he disappeared and came back? He came back and he did like a a brief like nature video on YouTube or something from like Hawaii and it I, had like a Miller time logo. I do not remember that. I think I've seen clips from that video, but I have not seen the whole video. So. <laughs> Well, just ask everybody around BSH for that later, and I'm sure somebody will find it for you in seconds. Yeah, I'm sure Kurt or Joe has it. So I'm oh, sure Kurt, yeah, Kurt has it for sure. Yeah. Kurt's oh. probably keeping that in his back pocket. Yeah. It's probably like his homepage when he logs on every day. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I'll find yeah. it, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, see yeah. Well, I, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself with that one, Craig. Uh, I enjoyed going down memory lane. I, I found that, and I found one of my old Flyers faithful sketches that i wrote back in the day uh the did, did you want to flyers that press court what was that did you want to show that one or you could oh i'm not i'm not sure i might yeah. maybe post later it to oh, at yeah. some point. yeah you could do that so yeah yeah we, we didn't post it back in the day because we were like oh boy maybe this isn't something that we want to post but <laughs> <laughs> Times have changed, so. Well, it's, it's yeah, in my it drive, and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can also just post it on your own site anyway, so. That's um, true. That's why I have the own site. I did. I mentioned the 31 Thoughts broadcast or podcast earlier. Uh, they talked about Joe Quinville. Uh, and another thing they brought up, which I, I Do talked about. you really about, think Quinville is going to get fired for the record? I don't think he is. I, I don't know. I, I don't think he would, but at the same time, I don't think Bowman and Quinville get along. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, the biggest problem with that team is the fact that they don't have a salary cap because they had to pay two of the best players in the league a ton of money. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is um, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, they fired Joe Quinville's or, uh, I th- yeah, I think they fired Mike Kitchen, who was like Quinville's assistant coach for a while and like one of his good friends. And uh, apparently that like set up a whole thing with like him and Bowman, but. Not 100% certain on that, but it feels like Quinville's been there a while. If you were going to let him go, letting him go in the year they missed the playoffs would be the right time to do it, I guess. But at the same time, it is Joel Quinville, and you still have a lot of the same roster. But they do have a pretty young roster. Maybe they want to get a new voice in there. I don't know. I really don't know, but the idea is getting kicked around. So, And I do want to say that as soon as he is fired, he should be hired by the Philadelphia Flyers. So... Um, but going back to so going back to the 31 thoughts, uh, they talked about the story of the Flyers' first round pick in 2006, which I I think Elliot mentioned it last year, and I talked about it on here. But again, you know, new listeners. Um, so in 2006, also bad memory on my part. <laughs> fair enough. Um, 2006, Bobby Clark really, really wanted Trevor Lewis, apparently, and felt like he could be one of the best forwards on the Flyers for years to come, was a rugged two-way player, could really be a top-six guy for them down the road. Fortunately for Clark, Trevor Lewis went 17 to the Kings, and fortunately for us, I should say. Uh, he went 17th overall to the Kings. Second on Bobby Clark's list was Bobby Sanguinetti, uh, a defenseman who went 21st overall to the New York Rangers. And then apparently Clark was so pissed that when he went up to the podium, he forgot who his third option was. And that was Claude Giroux. So <laughs> that is apparently what the story. That's one of my favorite clips, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it definitely is. It's great. Because now it's like that's the only guy you should really remember out of the three. And man, getting hyped about Trevor Lewis. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. That's just how bad some of those scenes would have been with Trevor Lewis instead of Claude. That's definitely the worst timeline. Oh, yeah. Flyers get Trevor Lewis instead of Claude Drew. (laughs) That is the least. Yeah. Could you imagine the 2014-15 season of that Claude Drew? It's pretty much just like Voracek with 100 points, and then everybody else is just, you know, forgetting how to tie skates and just falling over their own feet and stuff. So, yeah, that would have been fucking Christ. Yeah, that would not have been a alternate reality I wouldn't any part of. So so thank you to uh, the Kings and thank you to the Rangers for picking two horrendous players and uh, letting Drew fall to 22nd overall. To Claude Drew, I feel like I, I I don't know how a player of that level fell to 22. It kind of feels like the way that Barzell fell to 15th, I think. But like it's just like one of those things where like how did team how did every team in front of them just not I don't know how they not value what he had. 2015 was a, a special year there because there was a ton of talent in that first round. But like Pavel Zaka went sixth, and like Timo Myers fine, but he went ninth. And then uh, Lawson Krause went to the Panthers at 12, I think. So like there are definitely guys before Matt Barzal. Oh, and the Bruins also had their whole string of picks there. Uh, yeah, I, I so. guess it's one of those things when you think back. It's like, well, everybody had a shot at PK Subban. And everybody had a shot at Shane Gostas Bear. Yeah, but, but like Barzal was somebody who was like high end first round talent. All right, right. Like PK Subban fell to the second round. 
two picks behind Kevin Marshall. And then Shane Gossifier. Uh, yeah, he danced the one time. It's okay. Yeah, he made that adorable knock-knock uh, knock video. Or was part of that old knock-knock celebration. So, And then never played in the NHL again. Never was around after that. So, uh, yeah. Good times. Now, you, you make a good point. And, and Barzal has been... Do you think he's winning, winning rookie of the year? I would think so. Uh, it's either him. I think it's a two-horse race between him and Brock Besser. Um, and Besser, I think, has the argument of being on a shittier team and still putting up a lot of points. But Matt Barzell, I feel like, has, creates a highlight every other night. So, And he's a, he's a big reason why the Islanders are still kind of kicking around in the playoff picture because he's pretty good on that second line with Jordan Everly. So, uh if I'm being I completely think... honest, also with Rookie of the Year, my my one thing is I just don't want Nico Hischier to win it. Yeah, he's I think he's up there, but I think I think between him and Barzal, I think Barzal definitely has the advantage. So it looked like Clayton Keller came out pretty hot early in the year, but he's definitely cooled off. So just not Nico Hischier, just just anybody but him. Yeah, what if just Nolan Patrick wins it, even though he's already kind of had a uh, so Nolan Patrick. <laughs> Wins the Calder due to improving pretty good in his courses. <laughs> hey, it's fine by like, me. Dude definitely caught up to NHL speed by the end of the year. <laughs> and plus, he made Mitch Marner look like a straight-up fool. Yeah. See, I'm fine. I'm not too worried about the points right now. As long as he keeps uh, – like, I, I think he's already overcome the uh, my main concern with him that it looked like he didn't have NHL speed. Like, it looks like he's – He's been flying around the ice for the last couple of weeks, and he's starting to make a lot of plays that he was expected to make when he came into the league. And you can see, you can definitely see more of the potential now. And I'm, I'm looking forward to next year. I want to see what he looks like a full season, full season at this level without the surgeries. Uh, you know, coming into the season working off those surgeries. So. Yeah, and I'm sure he's going to have a whole new off-season regimen after hanging out with the guys at the NHL level. You learn a lot. That first year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did I did want to uh, bring up to you, since you like hearing some of the random-ass names in uh, the upcoming drafts. It uh, is literally one of my favorite things about hockey. So Central Scouting put out their uh, midterm ranks. And these two names I had not heard too much of before the rankings, so they hit me pretty well. I'm going to throw them at you and see if you enjoy them. So... Uh, a goalie for the Katune Ice in the WHL, ranked number two, or uh, yeah, 22 in North American goalie rankings. Uh, Duncan McGovern. Duncan McGovern? Yes. Hmm. I don't know. Doesn't quite do it for me. Doesn't quite do it okay. for me. I'm trying to remember what the names were last year that got you. So. Um, and then the second one was just Blade Jenkins, the first name. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, from Jackson, Mississippi. So okay. Blade is his first name. Blade is his first name. Tw- oh, that's that's a chuckle right there. Right, uh, ranked twenty fourth overall in the North American skater. So uh, Blade is absolutely a fake first name. I think that the, is. Yeah, I think the best one. Somebody saw an object in the room and said, "That's the name." <laughs> I think the uh, I think the best one is Jet Wu. So I think that's. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, t- Jet first name also two T is just like what I, I don't get it, but um. Oh, it's a great hockey name. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty good hockey name. Well, having Jet as a hockey name, I can't think of a better one. Oh, yeah, that is true. Well, Blade. I mean, 
They're both good. Blade is pretty they're both, good. Yeah. They're both top notch. Blade yeah. and Jet. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's really... you know, the only thing missing is uh, is uh, Puck Gord. <laughs> Gord Sticksman. Gord. Mm, Gord, so... Gord Sticksman is 100% coming out of Alberta next season. Yeah, big, big, powerful. Oh, when will Gord Sticksman leave Oshawa and come to the NHL already? <laughs> big power forward out of Flynn Flon. Just Gord Sticksman, so... Uh, let's, I mean, shall we talk about the, uh, should we go around the league real quick? Yeah, we'll talk about Jakob Pucker and then, uh, <laughs> go around the league. Um, all right. Bruins and Avalanche went on a pretty big, uh, couple winning streaks here. Bruins won. Bruins are still on a 17 game point streak. They're 13, zero and four in the last 17, four straight regulation. Yeah. Wins. Is uh, that why, uh, is that why? Couturier's not going to win the Selkie this year? Yeah, apparently. That's going to be the reason why. Uh, that's why Patrice Bergeron, according to Freeman, is going to be the first uh, player since Sergei Fedorov to have uh, the heart and the, the Selkie in the same season. So, yeah, that's a that's a conversation we'll get into. Certainly uh, it's nobody from the Lightning deserving of it. but Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Nobody on the Lightning's been that great. So, you know, no Kutra. No, think, nobody. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, 17 game point streak. Marshan had a pretty ridiculous goal last night, and they also had a pretty ridiculous flying elbow in the Marcus Johansson's head, which landed him a five game suspension, his sixth suspension in his career. So, is that all? Uh, Brad Marchand, good person. Yeah, he, yeah, he's he's becoming a thing. Like he's a really talented player now. Like he's become ridiculously good at producing points, but he's also still. A uh, sack of shit. So, um, Avs, though, had a 10-game winning streak that was snapped last night against the Montreal Canadiens. A uh, little fun fact, McKinnon has 51 primary points in all situations, which is goals and uh, first assists, and he leads the league in that category. Kucherov is second with 46. And did you hear what McKinnon said about uh, why the Avalanche have started turning it around recently? No, I missed this. So... Apparently, just in an interview, they were like, "Yeah, so what's what's clicking with the Avs now?" And then he just, without thinking, I guess, said uh, that they started turning around after Matt Duchesne got traded. So he's kind of <laughs> just like kind of like dunk. And then like he, apparently, you could like tell that he kind of regretted saying it and, and like was trying to backtrack a little bit, but still kind well, of funny. He, he got some frowny face emojis from yeah. <laughs> Matt. Yeah. In text message, so. Yeah, it's kind of funny that Matt Deshane gets yeah. traded. Now the Suns are an even bigger tire fire. And the Av- Matt, the Av- Matt Deshane well, sent uh, him Matt Deshane sent him a series of very sad bitmojis. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's a it's a sad cartoon Matt Deshane. How can you not feel extra bad about that? Yeah. Yeah, those bitemojis, I don't know what they do, but everybody kind of looks like they're bitemoji. So, bitmoji. Just a little, whatever. just a little. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that is a funny coincidence. Maybe uh, that sounds like clubhouse cancer to me. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's what's going on with the Avalanche. Uh, and then Mark Savard finally retired. Had not played since 2010, 2011. I did not know how good Mark Savard was. Like I knew he was good, but he had six hundred or seven hundred six points in eight hundred seven NHL games. He had a 97-point season with the Thrashers, a 96-point season with the Bruins, and an 88-point season with the Bruins in uh, 2008-09. Um, and then went in junior, too. He had two seasons with the Generals where he had uh, 
he played in over 60 games and he averaged over two points per game in those two seasons. So kind of a ridiculous player. It really sucks that he had a lot of head problems and that Matt Cook is a, uh, you know, also a piece of shit like Brad Marchand. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Uh, giant uh, turd. Yeah. And then somehow even worse than Tom Wilson. Somehow. Yeah. Oh, man. Man, do you remember when Matt Cook was on the Caps? He was uh, he was on the Caps vaguely, vaguely. Yeah, he was on the Caps for that uh, the 08 playoff series against the Flyers, and he uh, I remember he laid out Jeff Carter, and that was pretty much all he did back then, which is surprising because he's Matt Cook, and you would think that he would have done more damage. But yeah, anyway, that's just yeah, speaking. But uh, of, I, I I also just briefly wanted to mention since I I mentioned Tom Wilson that one of my favorite moments in the the NBC telecast on. Sunday was when they took a moment out to praise Tom Wilson's defense. I had a good chuckle over that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, he's a real fucking top-notch first-round guy. So yeah. That was, of course, when they took a moment from praising Ovechkin literally every chance they got. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was the game to do it, too, because he had two plays where he back-checked well. So, Lord knows. <laughs> Lord knows he had a killer first goal, first. and you would have thought that was the only play in that game to that point. <laughs> yeah. Like, never mind it was a tying goal. And look, I'm not one to usually harp on this, but this was, I don't know. I don't think it was just me. It was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it was it was pretty bad. So uh, I do want to say one of the things I remember most about Mark Savard was, besides the cook hit, was the, he scored the game one overtime winner against the Flyers in that 2010 series for the Bruins. And he had like that ridiculous celebration where he like freaked out and then threw a stick into the stands. But I like just in overtime that sequence by Brian Boucher, in like the first five minutes of that overtime. I think that's probably some of the more underrated goaltending in Flyers history because he made like if you're able to go back and watch that game from the beginning of overtime until Zavar scored, the Bruins should have scored about four or five times. Like no exaggeration, they were just point blank chances, and like Brian Boucher was just sprawling out and making. Ridiculous post-to-post saves until Zavar had actually finally scored. But there were just times where you thought, like, players were just going to be over, and the Bruins were just rifling shots on that, and Brian Boucher was just standing on his head. And then, unfortunately, he lost it. I think it was, like, a shot from the point through traffic. So, But I just wanted to get that out there. Support uh, Brian Boucher. So, um, Yeah, good old Boucher. Um, bunch of injuries, big-name injuries. Uh, Charlie McAvoy uh, had... An abnormal heart rhythm, and he had a procedure to help that out. He's expected to uh, miss two weeks. Brian H. Hopkins out five to six weeks with cracked ribs. Andre Pallott out six to eight weeks with a lower body injury. Joe Thornton is at the moment out at least several weeks with a right knee injury. They're still waiting for an MRI to come back. I did not see oh, it. At his, at his age, that could be forever. That could be that could be career ending, yeah, unfortunately. Um, Corey Schneider was hurt trying to make a save last night. He's day to day. By the way, if you're a goalie and you get hurt trying to make a save, you might be in the wrong business, but that's besides the point. Uh, James, <laughs> R- <laughs> James Reimer, <laughs> James Reimer, um, uh, took his groin last night. He's also day to day. Uh, Sebastian Ajo skating again after getting laid out by Mark Giordano last week. Braden Point was named to the NHL All-Star game in place of Victor Hedman. 
Jeff Zakoff got traded from the Kings to the Blue Jackets for the good old no, and not the Zacker for the good old fashioned future considerations. So not the Kaufman. Yeah, if uh, if you have him in your uh, fantasy hockey pool, just be aware that he's with the Blue Jackets now. Um, As opposed damn. to future considerations, who got yeah. traded to the Kings. Future considerations, by the way, might be pretty good at fantasy hockey because they've been traded for a lot over the years. Might be the most traded player in history. Future considerations, so. You got nothing on baseball's cash considerations, though. <laughs> uh, player to be named later is also a pretty good one. So, mm. uh, and again, again a, a shout out to the the Meech one made uh, cash considerations baseball card, which is still one of my favorite tweets ever. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a pretty good one. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> um, how was it? Oh, Samuel Matembo uh, was called up by the Panthers because of the James Reimer injury. Uh, he was. He was uh, taking seven picks after Felix Sandstrom was taken in 2015. He was regarded as one of the best goalies in that draft, too. He has a 904 save percentage in 30 games with the Springfield Thunderbirds and the AHL. Great hockey team name there. Um, Red Fisher passed away. He covered the Canadians since 1955, regarded as one of the best hockey writers ever. Uh, when it comes to the Penguins, both Daniel Sprong and Tristan Jari were demoted, uh, mainly because Casey Smith has been doing all right. Uh, Daniel Sprong had three points in eight games with the Pens, and Tristan Jari had a 919 uh, save percentage in 2.44 GAA in 18 games. 919 is, isn't too bad. Who really gets demoted over 919? I'll yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really not bad at all. Also, Casey DeSmith uh, apparently has a uh, little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of a history off the ice, so I would prefer to see Tristan Jari in the NHL anyway. So, um, sounds call up a defenseman. I'm literally just putting this in here because of his name, Eric. That's a good name. I'm looking yeah, at it right now. Eric Borgdorfer. So, I uh, played two games for the Sabres last year. He's a 29 year old right hand defenseman. Bugdorf, I can't, huh? can't tell you anything else. He's just Eric Borgdorfer. So, Eric Borgdorfer. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, Jim Jones. Awesome jo- name. Jim Johansson passed away. He was a big part of building the USA hockey program. Um, we talked about Kid Rock. Uh, I mean, we could use some more Kid Rock talk. You know, yeah, I, always I, an excuse to talk about. Uh, so, what's that? What's that guy's real name again? I always forget. Oh, I uh, no idea. Trashy Larry. I was gonna say Randy Hillbilliness. I don't know. Uh, but the, I think Sean McIndoe made a pretty good point. Down goes Brown made a pretty good point that Robert James Ritchie. Oh, there you go. That sounds about right. Let's call him RJ. <laughs> he made so Dan Ghost Brown made a pretty good point that uh, we may not want to say this out loud, but uh, a very vocal part of the NFL viewing majority has come out and said they're tired of the NFL's antics with. Um, Keep going. Okay. <laughs> okay. The, uh, they're tired of the way that NFL has handled uh, how uh, I'm like losing focus. <laughs> I'm like trying to. I'm trying to formulate simple sentences here, and I just keep thinking about Kid Rock. So it's a horrible, it's a horrible situation to be in. I don't know why, but the rhythm of just doing that dumb, dumb thing over and over really amuses me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... That's the new intro song. That's the new theme song. Uh, oh, just turn off 
half the viewing or the listening uh majority just immediately with Hyperbole <laughs> What the hell was I gonna say? Oh, uh, you're talking about uh, yeah, yeah, how yeah. Uh, you know the, the yeah. South wants more Kid Rock. Uh, pretty much that, uh, which is where large, the NHL space is. A large majority of NFL fans have come out and bitched and moaned about the kneeling and the protesting, and whatever. And you know they're saying that they're done supporting the NFL and maybe perhaps the NHL is trying to bring some of those fans in, and that's why they have brought in Kid Rock to perform. Which, oh, good luck with that, guys. Yeah, I'm that, sure that'll work out great. That sounds like a move that's not going to really work out for anybody involved. Especially but. when everybody kind of forgets about the kneeling in a year because uh, media yeah. cycles. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually completely forgot about it until it was brought up today. So, um, And then the Blue Jackets have two pretty interesting uh, things going on with them. Nathan, they signed Nathan Gerby. Who hasn't played in the NHL since 2015-16? I think he's just going to. Oh, that that is a name that I recognize. Yes, yeah, small little guy. Small, I forgot why. A uh, small little pissant. He played for on the Sabers back in 2011 when the Flyers played him. He was real annoying as shit. Um, and then also Brandon Dubinsky has left the Blue Jackets road trip to get a handle on quote personal issues that have hampered his season and could threaten his career. Uh, there is no police report. Uh, of Brandon Dubinsky in Vegas because that's where they were at. So it wasn't like they got arrested for legal troubles. It sounds like it could be um, alcohol issues or uh, some kind of addiction thing. So whatever, if it's the, of that nature, you know, hopefully he's able to, I guess, right the ship and become better off afterwards. But I, I honestly have no idea what it is. It, they Nobody was able to figure out what it was and it couldn't be leaked out. So Whatever it is, it's a pretty interesting situation to keep an eye on going forward. And then the last one that I wrote down here, Ron Doogie. I think that's how you say his name. I don't know. He's the center for the Rangers years ago. He, Ron Doogie Hauser. He looks like if John Bon Jovi was a surfer. Like, have you ever seen him? No. He he's he's a he's a fun thing to look at because he just looks like a cartoon. But he does uh, apparently he does um, like MSG. Uh, he does like the intermission reports and everything. And he had this comment uh, where he was talking about the officiating in one of the Rangers games the other night. And it was, quote, I think these guys would have been better off doing women's hockey the way they did the officiating because they were kind of soft. Oh, no. So naturally, naturally that backfired. And his apology, I think his apology might be worse because of something he slipped in here. So he's his apology is, quote, Nothing against women's hockey. I love women's hockey. I don't want the women angry with what I said. It's just the officiating. I don't think they did a good job in this physical game. Quote, I don't want the women angry with what I said. <laughs> I've said this the same women. thing on <laughs> yeah. many occasions. Look, we don't want the women mad at our podcast just because we're bringing the heat and dropping the names and talking about Travis Hanheim for 45 minutes. We don't want the women mad at us. You know what I mean? That's just... Oh, uh, what a fucking dramatic that, guy. That is the story of my life, man. Let me tell you, you know, women love shopping. Right? <laughs> women be shopping. Yeah, you know. I don't want the women mad at us, but the women be shopping. So, um, I also, uh, not hockey related, but my brother brought to me, brought to my attention today, possibly the greatest musical collaboration of all time, Stephen. And I need to tell you this. Kid Rock, Limp Biscuit. Okay, so... 
the you need to name and not those two, but the other two greatest musical performers of the last six decades, I think. Yeah, last six decades. We'll go there. Steve Perry. No. And Stevie Wonder. Okay. The, you the traveling Steves. You're on the right track with S names. In fact, you're on the right track with the ST names. In the eighties. Steve Jaco. No. Do where? <laughs> Are you in a band? Yeah, it's a great. Ba- it's the best band of the last six decades. How have you not know? <laughs> Steve Jaco and the Jackets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. The Stormjack. No, uh, one Sting from the Police. And when you think of Sting, who is the only other logical option to be paired with for a song or a CD in this or an album in this case? Stuart Copeland. No. It's an ST. I, I gave it my oh, best. Oh, it's not an ST. This one's just an S, S now. You ready? You ready for this? So ready. Sting and Shaggy have gotten together and created a album. So I, I don't know if Whoa. you're... Do you remember Shaggy? Yes. Yes. So those two were like, you know what? We've got to do this for the world and for... Every person that loves music out there, and they went and did it. I think their first single was released today. So, now that sounds unpleasant, and I'll be sure to check it out as soon as this program's over. <laughs> it's it's a bit of a doozy. It sounds like just like classic beat rock. It sounds like Sublime or something like that. So, I just love that those. Does two... it sound like Wipeout? Sound like no. I just love that those two got together and were just like, we gotta listen, we gotta do this. <laughs> We've wanted to do this for years. We just gotta do this. So this Craig, is give me your show. give me your best <laughs> wipeout. <laughs> I don't think I could. Oh. Wipeout. Yeah, that's what you got. <laughs> it's horrendous. It wasn't good. Uh, that made me so happy just now. <laughs> I can I I can't do the guitar part. So who even made that one? Like that was that was like fifth. um uh, the Surf and Joes. The Surf and Joes, baby. Yeah, you don't remember the Surf and Joes. Yeah, I don't I don't remember who that was. That was that was a long time ago though. It, but it was definitely called Wipeout, right? I'm gonna figure this out. I feel like it was. Get to the bottom of this, Craig. Get to the bottom of Surf Rock. It was like an actual. Oh, the Safaris? Oh my god, get out of here. Yeah, I think their their name was the Safaris. <laughs> There's no way that's right. Oh, uh, that's that's the best note we could possibly ever end this podcast on. Good night and good hockey. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I come on. It's wipeout. Come on, come yeah. on. <laughs> Well, guys, thanks for listening to our talk about obvious MVP candidate, Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, and Selkie candidate, more importantly. That's the stuff. That's the stuff. (laughs) Hey, I'm here for the stuff, and that's the stuff. My first name handle was uh, SurfRock69. Was it really? No. (laughs) No. Okay, I was gonna say that's fucking embarrassing. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah. But hey, Craig, you got any good stuff coming out for BSH this week? Nope. 
they can suck one. I got nothing coming out. No, I got good. Um, no, I put out um, the mid midterm uh, ranks this week, and then I'm I'm still I was gonna work on another uh, prospect profile. Probably have it out next week, though. I'm not gonna be able to do that. I'm not gonna be able to finish that between tonight and Friday. So I might have a I might have a two o'clock number on Friday, perhaps depending on what happens in the uh, Flyers-Lightning game tomorrow. But, yeah, probably probably nothing later this week. Probably more stuff next week. So be on the lookout for that. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the uh, good people over at BSH Radio who have been yeah. awesome in bringing us aboard in oh, the past definitely. two weeks. Yeah. Just By the so way, helpful and so much support. And – uh, I heard they gave us uh, it, er, they gave us a great shout out on their show. Yeah, no, this they, week, and they th- that's really cool of them. So based on, but did you did have you followed Bill Matz yet? I think that's a very yes, good yes, I yeah, followed sorry. Bill Matz now. Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't know how you weren't before because he's, he's pretty good. I, I don't know either. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not good with social You're not media. Good with the Twitters. Craig. Yeah, that's all right. I'm not good with the Twitters. That's yeah. in my Twitter profile. I'm not good with the Twitters. <laughs> but uh, is this thing on? Yeah, I. I I, we should give them a shout out and say thank you for bringing us on. Uh, happy to be part of Broad Street Hockey. I didn't really do this last episode, but happy to be here. Um, everybody's pretty cool, uh, except for Kelly. But besides that, everybody else is pretty cool there. Ooh. And um, Ooh. yeah, that's fired. <laughs> nah, she doesn't listen to us. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll make it. Uh, but yeah, uh, should be doing this every week. Should be longer episodes than. Broad Street Hockey Radio each week. So mostly because uh-huh. we lack self control. We lack self control, and also they pump out more episodes for Patreon listeners throughout the week, so they have to uh, kind of confine what they talk about. But yeah, uh, hopefully next week. This week was a little more serious than usual, <laughs> somehow. Uh, but somehow we had dead serious talk about yeah. hack for like forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't know what happened. That is not like us. That's not. That's not going to happen again next week. Don't worry. Just uh, come back next week. We're going to be doing a talk about nothing but like farts and uh, doing the Winnie the Pooh. So um, I'll be fire pro- firework proofing my house next week. So I'll have some good info on that. Yeah. Uh, and also we and my leg. I plan on wearing armor to the next Eagles riot. <laughs> yeah. Next week, we can just talk about the birds for like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. So talk about Tom Brady. He's a real cheater. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much just talk talk about the uh, New England uh, Patriots being a bunch of cheaters. So I could just spend the entire next episode just trashing Boston. Patrice Bergeron. No, we could listen up. Listen up. Sean Couturier is getting that Selkie this year because he's scoring goals, and that's what the Selkie's <laughs> about. We could talk about uh, 20, 2010, overcoming at uh, 03. Uh, we could talk about the 2013 uh, two goals in 17 seconds for the, uh, the Blackhawks over the Bruins. Talk about 18 and one. We could talk about Mark Savard's concussions again. Uh, there's a, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to uh, Boston sports. So, but uh, we we'll save that all for next week. So, yeah. So if you have any feedback for us, the best place is on Twitter. You can follow Craig at Sports Are Bad. You can follow me at SDBOM or Flyperbole. I highly recommend following Flyperbole because that's where I tweet most of my hockey stuff when I'm tweeting hockey stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 So, of course, follow Broad Street Hockey, follow BSH Radio, all that good stuff. 
And, uh, of course, like Broad Street Hockey on the Facebooks. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I got uh, else, yeah. Craig, you got nothing else? Good. Uh, also, <laughs> email address, flyperbole at gmail.com. If you have any long form crap, <laughs> I don't know why I put crap in there. That was uh, very, very, very formal. Very formal. Very formal there. If you have a long form dissertation about the sport of hockey, flyperbole yeah. at gmail.com. If you're working on a, your th- a senior thesis and part of it is to talk about flyperbole, first of all, heads up, you're going to fail. But also, secondly, you use the, uh, use the email. So I would, if I was that professor, I would assume they meant the word hyperbole and horribly misspelled it <laughs> you're talking about hyperbole but he kept talking about two jackasses named Stephen craig are you all right like do you need <laughs> do you need to go home for the day do you know that you misspelled hyperbole a thousand times in this fucking <laughs> dissertation <laughs> <sighs> well gang we do thank you for listening and until next time as always in the words of the great gene hart good night and good hockey hello i'm spencer hall from sb nation And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.